Greetings from Washington. I'm Martin Weinstein, and welcome to the Wilkie Compliance Concourse podcast series. For returning listeners, welcome back. For new listeners, I think you'll enjoy this podcast more than ever. This afternoon, we have an incredible guest, the Honorable Kathy Craninger. She is the Vice President for Regulatory Affairs at Solidus Labs, where she leads the firm's regulatory strategy and works to achieve market integrity and responsible innovation in the digital asset markets. Solidus Labs is the first automated, comprehensive, and testable market surveillance and risk monitoring hub targeted precisely for digital assets. Kathy comes to this with an incredible background. She served as the Senate-confirmed director of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, what we call the CFPB. She held this job from December 2018 until January 2021. She led the 1,500-person independent regulatory and law enforcement agency during that time. She made her mark on all aspects of the agency's mission and operations, particularly in facilitating innovation, promoting financial inclusion, and, of course, leading through the economic uncertainty of the global COVID pandemic. In addition, Kathy served on the board of the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, the FDIC, the Financial Stability Oversight Board, and she was the chair of the Federal Financial Institutions Examination Council. Her distinguished public sector career spans a number of other senior roles, including those of the Departments of Transportation and Homeland Security, the Office of Management and Budget, and in both the Senate and the U.S. House of Representatives. Kathy graduated magna cum laude from Marquette University in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and earned a law degree right here at the Georgetown University Law Center. And to top it off, she served as a U.S. Peace Corps volunteer in the Ukraine. Welcome to the Wilkie Compliance Concourse podcast series, Kathy. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much, Martin. It's fantastic to be with you. Well, you've had an extraordinary career, so we often like to start out and say, I'm sure when you were growing up, you weren't thinking about digital assets. Can you give us some background and tell us where it all began and how you ended up where you are with your career and also with Solidus doing the interesting things you're doing now? Yeah, great question, Martin, and thank you. I feel like it's been a pretty extraordinary career. I've been able to, frankly, experience a lot of things uh, in government that are cutting edge. I'm driven by crisis uh, with 9-11 and certainly the financial crisis in 2008, still with great opportunity to make a huge difference in people's lives and for the better. That's certainly what motivates me. So it starts with a real interest in public service and a love of effective government, uh, really thinking through how do we solve problems for people and make their lives better. So that's where I spent 20 plus years of my career and, you know, incredibly rewarding. Uh, The opportunity to work with so many fantastically talented people. And that's uh, why I still live in Washington, D.C. But coming out of the government this year, I was looking again for that same uh, really mission-focused, mission-driven uh, opportunity. And Solidus Labs is a fantastic company, really focused on helping the digital asset space grow responsibly and grow in a way that is uh, recognizing the need for investor protection, uh, the need to really meet the promise uh, that digital assets promote, and that is promoting financial inclusion, uh, promoting transparency in efficient markets. So there's a true you know, continuum there and, and just a, a fascinating space of, of an example of how technology can really help further people's lives. 
Can you tell us, you know, most people, Kathy, I don't think have really heard of Solitas Labs. What specifically is its mission? What's the work that you're doing? How do you see your role moving forward? It's really kind of a bit of a new industry. And I think a lot of people really don't know precisely what Solitas does. So Solitas is a software as a service uh, company. And what we are doing is done, you know, in traditional markets. And that's actually a market monitoring hub. So what is the trading activity, trade flow that's happening in the system? How do you uh, onboard your clients uh, as exchanges or broker dealers? Uh, what kind of uh, compliance system are you managing? And Solidus really gives you a hub from which to manage all of that risk. And so that does happen in traditional markets. Where we're unique is we are dedicated to the digital asset space. We're crypto native. The market structure and market data of the crypto space is so different from the traditional space. So it's really a differentiator for those that are really born in it as we are. And that's a few different things. You know, 24 hour, uh, seven day a week trading. Uh, assets that are not native to one particular exchange, but are frankly traded on on hundreds, if not thousands of venues, being able to identify price and volume manipulation in those assets, again, across a much broader spectrum. The assets themselves as well, going down to 18 decimal points uh, in terms of the partial ownership of, of one of those uh, Bitcoin, uh, it's pretty amazing uh, to be able to navigate and manage that. And, and that's what our system does, because again, uh, we were born in crypto. So that's something that makes us a little bit different. In terms of what I'm doing, it is understanding the regulatory landscape for any company, frankly, but, but in the digital asset space, understanding the regulatory requirements that our clients are dealing with. And across the globe, you have a spectrum of regulators who are uh, markets regulators, who are financial crime uh, regulators and law enforcement. Uh, there's a broad swath of regulators and, and requirements that you need to pay attention to in this space to counter terrorist financing, anti-money laundering, and then market manipulation. So helping those regulators, really working with them to think about the regulatory frameworks they should put in place working with our clients to help them understand what exists and is out there today that they need to comply with and helping our own sales marketing product force to build their expertise around the regulatory requirements and make sure that Solidus is, is serving our customers well in that area. So that's what I'm doing. And, and I got to tell you, it's, it is a truly fast moving uh, arena with DeFi, which I know you're going to ask me about a little bit, but the technology keeps evolving. People are incredibly creative and keep coming up with new innovative ways to apply it. And so that really keeps regulators on their toes and keeps those of us that are you know, thinking about how uh, to protect investors and consumers in this space, keeping us on our toes too and thinking about that. Kathy, Solidus just sounds amazing. And, and you know, for so many of us, Crypto is something that we hear a lot about, but can you give us a sense? I mean, it's all changing so fast. What are some practical ways or some day-to-day -day ways that we're going to see crypto beginning to change our day-to-day -day civilian lives? What, what, what's your sense of how this is going to impact us on a daily basis? 
So many use cases, uh, frankly, as you take a step back from crypto itself and think about the blockchain. But I'll, I'll say any transaction in life, uh, the ability to move that efficiently, you know, peer to peer and quickly. But there's a lot that people don't actually even internalize or know until it affects them. But you think about buying a house and the number of intermediaries involved in that process. I mean, at the CFPB, that's uh, one of the markets that we were regulating. So you think about it in terms of having, you know, title insurance and the mortgage and all of the documentation that's associated with that transaction. The opportunity to really streamline that and make it much more focused on that uh, buyer and user. Uh, rather than working for all of the kind of bureaucratic process that's grown up over time with, with good intent, uh, absolutely to protect people. But there's just a whole lot of, frankly, red tape that goes along with that process or payments in general, settling and clearing and the massive um, incumbent systems and processes that go with, with that. Uh, you know, I, I've certainly tried to uh, transfer funds from, you know, one account to another so that I can pay my bills in a, in a timely way. And that's that's days um, before that money actually moves when you think about it. And that's not because you wrote a check. That's actually the transfer process. So there's a role for government. There's certainly a role for uh, the intermediary incumbents in this system. But that is a so much slower and less efficient process than you need. And with blockchain, you can get the security, transparency, and accountability and assurance in, in the process to move all of those things so much faster and to meet people's expectations uh, about that. So I think those are the things that are really going to change uh, the way we live. But there's also another side to that. People need to understand that. I certainly remember when uh, some of the peer-to-peer -peer payment processes came through. You know, there, there's no protection in that. Uh, your, your bank can't pull that money back when you send it to the wrong phone number. So all of those things need to be understood and you need an education piece uh, for those that are engaging with it in addition to the changing you know, regulatory environment and, and changing expectations. Kathy, the term DeFi, it's a relatively new term, but it's used pretty regularly now in the crypto lexicon. Could you explain to our listeners exactly what DeFi means? So the way that uh, much of the, the crypto world has, has grown up initially was really a CFI, it's centralized finance. And DeFi is, of course, decentralized finance. So what does it mean? It's, it's really an umbrella term for what I was uh, somewhat talking about earlier with the blockchain, eliminating the intermediaries. Uh, it's built on uh, Ethereum blockchain and it's built on the applications that are like that. And the idea is that if you put into place um, the, the smart contracts or the agreement in advance, that if certain terms are met, the transaction happens. Uh, today, you know, we have any number of intermediaries that are really just gateways in a process to enable a transaction to happen. You know, how do you get two parties that can agree to something when they don't know each other? That's a fairly challenging thing. Um, so that's what DeFi really enables. It's two parties come to agreements on terms and money and the, you know, the other side of that transaction actually move at the same time because all the conditions were met. Uh, so that's what DeFi facilitates. 
and it is, um, you know, it's it's evolving. Uh, it is not all out there right now uh, for the taking at this point, but it is continually evolving. And the other thing I'd say, just in terms of regulation, since we're talking about regulatory approaches, the regulators have generally been able to reach out and grab the intermediaries. That's who's responsible in the financial systems that we've built and put into place today. In DeFi, there's no intermediary. That's exactly the point. But it it poses a lot of problems and challenges as we think about how do you empower individuals to be able to engage in in those types of financial uh, arrangements if they want to, while uh, protecting as well and understanding that there are still responsibilities and how regulators approach that has been a really interesting and, and challenging topic. You know, Kathy, I remember in my days as a federal prosecutor a long time ago and, and and now in the last, you know, 20 some odd years of, of defending companies and individuals and, and challenging and investigating challenging situations, it always struck me that the regulatory framework always trailed the technology by just a little bit. And, and here we have AML legislation and a variety of things that you've talked about. Is the legislation and the regulatory framework keeping up? with these big technological and financial changes? Or do you see some areas where there are gaps that really cause you concern where you think that legislation and regulation is going to need to move a little bit faster to keep up with with world commerce? I think that it is a a very significant challenge. I will say that. Um, The the regulation almost can never keep up, but, but that's also part of how you draft legislation and draft regulation. And I've done both in my career. And so thinking that through, how do you write something that actually enables the innovation, encompasses something that is a longer term, you know, setting setting some of the parameters and safeguards in a way uh, that uh, still enables that innovation and, and doesn't cement, you know, old definitions into the law in a way that they're not useful, but we are facing it now. We have a lot of 1970s eras laws, in particular in the consumer protection space, that don't quite align with people's expectations today and the way things uh, actually operate today. That's something I talked a lot about at the CFPB and it applies here. So, so as you think about what new is needed, it is a challenge to think about how you do that at the right time to um, establish the right framework that's gonna last you know, longer than you know, the, the short period of time when it actually passes. I, it, is a, it is a really challenging thing in the technology space. So there are a lot of um, there are a lot of really smart, dedicated people on the hill that are thinking about this. Certainly uh, across the globe, uh, that are that want to be cautious and do it right, and, and also are are engaging in enforcement and warnings to the public to try to again help them make sure that if they want to engage in this space now, they're doing it uh, in a way that that is uh, aware uh, and you know they understand what they're engaging in. Kathy, a lot of our listeners are compliance officers from companies around the world, all different kinds of industries. What would you say to them? Many of their companies, many of these industries, crypto really hasn't had a big impact yet. But what would you say to these compliance officers and and those who advise them on how they should monitor some emerging regulatory uh, trends so they can keep up their own programs with this changing environment? It's a great question, Martin. And I think it, it really comes back to having that comprehensive risk management approach. 
Uh, you know, we are we are a, a software as a service compliance capability, uh, but we tell our clients, you know, you can't rely entirely on us to literally be your risk management program. There are decisions that you have to make, and and the risk tolerance that you have as a company uh, is yours to decide. And so, how do you look at that risk um, in a comprehensive way and have a regular drumbeat for reassessing that, uh, for looking at, um, again, these these emergent dynamics and, and having the opportunity to evolve with them, staying in touch with your business units and really being aligned with them uh, as, as compliance officers. So that's that's truly important. I think, again, is just really having that as part of a, an approach. Um, and 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 certainly having the right tools on top of that to be to be looking for it, it it's challenging too because as fast as the world moves that you constantly feel like you're trying to run after everything else. I, I really discourage people not to do that. You know, take that step back and again rely on having your risk management principles um, and tolerance and risk tolerance to rely on as as you look at new issues. And, and that discipline, uh, I think, will, will bear out in the long run um, and really make sure that you're focusing on the things that are most pertinent and, and not uh, being distracted by, uh, again, all of the things that are coming at you. Because there's a lot, particularly in this space. I said the digital asset space is moving incredibly fast and there are lots of new things that pop up. But whether they'll be the things that last, uh, it's, it's sometimes hard to tell. Kathy, now's a chance for you to step back just for a second and tell us what you see in the future in the fast-paced crypto world. What What's coming next and next and next and next? What's your prediction for the future of where this is going? That is also a, a truly fascinating question. I feel like I, I sometimes uh, don't follow my own advice and I'm getting caught in the day-to-day without getting the chance to, to step back and think about it. But but I do think it really, all of the, the technology is really helping bring the world together in a, in a fascinating way. I mentioned, you know, payment systems and settlement and clearing and, and all the intermediaries that are involved in the process. The, the third world has the opportunity and the developing world has the opportunity to really leapfrog much of that. Uh, I think about it because I lived in Ukraine just as cell phones were coming around and you know, there were not even landlines. It was a huge issue in the former Soviet Union, who got a landline and who didn't and what infrastructure there was. And the entire country could leapfrog that the minute they went to mobile phones. And it was just a game changer. Uh, Same with you look at so many parts of the world where there are lots of issues with corruption and banking systems and otherwise, and the opportunity to leapfrog all of that and go to individuals I think there's a huge opportunity here to really make a difference in people's lives. And so we have a responsibility as those in this ecosystem uh, to think about how we support them. But it's been a really rewarding thing to get involved in, and talk to people about how that can work. I think the other thing in that payment space, again, it's remittances. There are all kinds of immigrants in the U.S. or, or people in uh, in Europe who want to get funds back to their families at home. And again, the way to do all of this using crypto, I mean, it's it's there now, but it's becoming uh, more and more prevalent. So I don't know if that's futuristic enough, uh, Martin, for your question, but it's, it's again, a real world, you know, we're, we're changing the way things work and helping real people. Well, I mean, it, it sounds, Kathy, like a lot of what you're doing is going to be, you know, stripping out some of the excess cost out of transactions. And so when 
somebody's sending money to a family member, uh, that family member is going to get to keep a bit more of it and, and probably get a little bit faster. And that for many people, particularly in developing emerging markets, could be a real game changer. It could make a difference about how much food they get to eat. That's exciting. Let me ask you to leave us with, with one thought about maybe one particular important lesson that along the way you've learned in your, in your career, or maybe the best advice that you can give really to all of us, whether it's a listener who's just starting in compliance or veteran compliance or a lawyer or anything like that, somebody listening in, what's a bit of advice and perspective you can give us that's going to help us uh, in our careers? I certainly try to live by this, and it's always be learning, um, being humble. I've spent uh, you know, a lot of time across different industries. I've been in a lot of different uh, job places. And, and even when I think I know what I need to know, there's always a new angle. There's always a new perspective. Um, and there are always people who bring a different background and vantage point to the issue. So I think that that openness to always be learning and and accepting you know that those inputs as they come at, at face value that's as I said how I certainly approach uh, any any task any job and it is uh, hugely motivating there's there is so much uh, so much coming at us but but the opportunity again to be open to it and, and see those connection points amongst things that other people don't see as related. So I think that's that's definitely something. There's uh, something you can take from everyone you interact with, everything you read, uh, everything you're exposed to. You know, it sounds very familiar. I had a professor years ago that said, "Be curious, be humble, and be a lifelong learner." And uh, and I think that's really what you've been what you've been sharing with us. It, it's been so interesting to hear about Solidus and and Kathy to hear your perspective with your uh, fascinating career. I'm so excited to see. What, uh, what the company does and what you all do going forward. Crypto is going to really sort of impact our lives in ways we can't even imagine. And it's really been a pleasure to take a few minutes of your valuable time. Thank you so much to share with all of our listeners around the world. Uh, it's really been great. And, and Kathy, thank you very much for taking the time with us. Thank you, Martin, for the opportunity. It's been great talking with you. Fantastic. Well, this is Martin Weinstein signing off for now for the Wilkie Compliance Concourse podcast series. Goodbye for now.